highest Dave. The market is down big this week. 3,000 point drop, roughly 10% in less than a week. In this video, I'm gonna share my thoughts on how I'm processing this big week. If you've been watching my channel, you know I approach investment topics through different angles and through different lenses. I'm trying to question and seek what's going on underneath the surface of things. You'll also know that I'm not really focused necessarily on short-term price movements. I think they're extremely difficult to predict and a lot of things are out of my control. However, I do wanna share some thoughts on my thinking process on how I view a week like this. And I also wanna share some thoughts on the coronavirus, which is a developing story. First, viewing risk. I tend to have more of a long-term view and it's not so much that I'm not looking at what's going on around the world, but rather I'm placing a priority on the long-term perspectives, let's say of a business, rather than today's stock ticker price. And the reason is when I'm evaluating business, I can actually evaluate their revenue and their margins and their profits and give a multiple and try to have some visibility some years going forward. However, with the stock ticker price, a lot of it is dependent on human sentiment or the market sentiment toward the company or even the market at large. And that sentiment changes drastically from day to day or even minute by minute. And so you have a situation where the changing sentiment toward a stock drastically affects the stock price. And that's what the herd is focused on. They're focused on the stock price and how they feel toward that company or even the market at large. There's also macroeconomic concerns that can affect the stock price. For example, if there's fear of a recession or let's say a pandemic that's spreading, it's gonna affect the view of investors toward the market and the overall sentiment towards stocks in general. On the flip side, when stock prices are going up, people tend to have this attitude that it's gonna to continue to go up because they're just looking at the immediate past, let's say past three or six or 12 months. And especially on a multi-year drawn out bull run like we've been experiencing, people tend to be giddy about stocks and the future and they think it's only going up. And because of that, they're often ignoring the risks or if there are risks, they're minimizing them. Sometimes these risks are apparent, like for example, execution, like how well the company really is progressing toward their goals. Another risk is competition, like how well can, let's say a company defend its product or product superiority. However, some risks are just not visible. Like for example, there can be an unknown or catastrophic event, or in the case of coronavirus, it could be a pandemic that spreads quicker than what we originally thought it would. I think it's difficult for most people to hold these two things in one hand. For example, to be optimistic about the future, but also to be sober about the risks at hand. People generally tend to focus on one side or the other, on the optimism and risk-taking side, or rather on the play-it-safe side. However, things that are true often are not just one-sided. There's a deeper complexity. I shared in my last video this concept of playing it safe versus taking big risks. If you haven't watched that video, I encourage you to do so. And I think a lot of one own investment philosophy and approach is going to be determined how you're thinking about playing it safe versus taking big risks. I think in a long drawn out bull market, people who are taking big risks, they usually come out to be the winners of the people who gain the most. However, in a side market or downtrending market, the people who tend to play it safe or have that investment philosophy, they come out ahead. However, I like to dichotomize the approach. I like to have both a playing it safe and also taking some risk approach. In other words, I like to take a certain portion of assets aside and put it into safer investments in a completely different asset class that produces income to cover my current and future living expenses. And then I have other assets that I could use to realize the maximum potential of investing without taking super high risks. In other words, with investing, I'm still trying to take a low to moderate risk approach with high gains. By using this iconos approach where I have 
a portion of my assets that are totally set aside in a different asset class that's covering my living expenses. And then having another set of assets that I'm really kind of maximizing the potential investing with, it helps me to kind of mitigate my personal risk involved in investing. But also I'm really trying to mitigate the risks involved in kind of high gain investing. A lot of people kind of think of it as casino or horse betting where they're trying to do a high risk, high gain investment or speculation. However, in my opinion, I'm trying to get the risk down to a low to moderate risk level for a super high gain. However, this is extremely difficult to do. And I think it's possible where you think an investment is low to moderate risk, but it actually is a very high risk investment. I try to use a wide variety of approaches to try to mitigate that risk. I try to use frameworks and thinking and analysis, and I actually also use timing. If you haven't watched my video on how to time a stock purchase, I encourage you to do so. It's important, I think, to get in at the right time at the right valuation, and that provides a margin of safety when entering a stock. Overall, I'm very cognizant of risk, and a lot of my thinking toward investing also is thinking about how to manage risk. You know, anything can happen and it's about managing the possibilities and the probabilities in a balanced way. However, on the flip side, oftentimes I think people can be fixated just on the risk and that fear of risk and the fear of losing everything, that fear can drive investment decisions and it can be paralyzing and debilitating. And that's why I think a lot of the foundation of investing is actually built up in the mind. It's how you view risk, how you view fear, how you view kind of rewards and, and how you manage these complex ideas together in one hand. Next thing I want to talk about today is number two, coronavirus. Now I'm going to share my thoughts on coronavirus, but again, this is a snapshot, meaning this is just in this present time, what I'm thinking and how I'm processing the information. And in 24 hours, the information will change and develop because the story is developing and my thoughts are going to change. And so if you watch this a week later, right, my thoughts are going to be very different on the coronavirus in a week. And so don't take this as kind of a timeless kind of evergreen kind of analysis on the coronavirus. Rather, it's just to help us try to process the moment and it's to give you an idea of my thought processes. This morning, we learned that Japan is trying to close all of their elementary, middle, and high schools until the end of March. This is pretty serious. If you have kids in school and you're working and now they're off of school for a month, like what are you gonna do? It's gonna cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress for a lot of families. We also learned that Saudi Arabia is closing off their borders to pilgrimages. And one by one, countries and regions around the world are taking aggressive measures to try to stop the spread of coronavirus. Coronavirus. Just in the past few days, coronavirus started to hit home a little bit more for me. A few of my friends who lived in the region of Asia, they started to come back in the US. In fact, one friend texted me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm in the US right now. And I'm starting to see more friends and acquaintances who live in Asia coming back home until the virus kind of cools down. If you're in the US like I am, we're kind of removed from the epicenter of coronavirus. However, if you're in China, if you're in Japan, if you're in Korea, and if you're in these other countries, the region, you're gonna feel the effects of coronavirus more. And you're gonna see the economy just dropping off the cliff almost in a sense because activity is really slowing down. Just yesterday on Amazon, I was trying to pick up a couple extra masks and some emergency food. However, their supplies for masks are completely gone. And even for emergency food, their inventory is like super low. And I think it's kind of human nature to kind of ignore risk a lot of times until risk becomes very apparent. When we look at coronavirus right now and how it's spreading, it looks like the probabilities in the near term is that coronavirus is gonna get worse. And it is really about probabilities because nothing is guaranteed and nothing is for sure. A lot of times we tend to go to these extremes like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, right? Or we just try to completely completely ignore something. 
However, reality is often in between, and it's often in this gray area where there are different scenarios with different probabilities. And oftentimes, the probabilities of various scenarios change with more information as they get disclosed. However, the scenario that's gaining the most probability in recent days and weeks is the scenario that this coronavirus spreading is actually increasing and in the near term, the next month or two, is gonna get worse. I live in California, we're still in flu season. We have neighbors and friends who are sick with the flu and even just this past week, we've had several friends and kids who've gotten the flu. And I think we're still in the second half of this flu season. And it really feels that people are like getting more sick more often. And for a lot of people, it feels like the flu is like an annual occurrence. I personally had a wake up call about five years ago. And that's when I really took serious and endeavor to try to boost up my personal immune system. And I went through dozens and dozens of approaches trying to boost up my immunity. And I was trying to look at it from different angles and really try to get underneath like the surface level of just what's conventional wisdom and knowledge and really get to the essence of like what is my immune system and how can I boost it up I think this type of deeper thinking has great benefits not just with investing or health but with all areas of your life oftentimes people want simple and immediate solutions to their problems and they'd rather choose a quick fix rather than get to the root of the problem anyways back to the coronavirus there's just so many unknowns about the coronavirus and I think the big question is where is this gonna end up let's say in two or three months are we still gonna be talking about the coronavirus or is it gonna be dying down because of the warm weather another question is, is the coronavirus going to go into the southern hemisphere as they enter their winter season? Overall, I'm not surprised that the market has sold off off of this news. It's a concerning trend that does affect companies and does affect the economy. And I think if coronavirus continues to spread, then we could see increased reaction with the markets. All right, the last thing I want to talk about this morning is number three, levered hedge funds. Warren Buffett was on CNBC this week and he had this long video, which is fantastic to watch. I encourage you to do so. But in that, he had a small section where he was talking about how people are using levered money um, increasingly so and one of the big reasons is because interest rates are so low that they're having to borrow or lever their money a lot in their investments in order to get returns and there's nowhere else that they can really get decent returns because the interest rates are so low besides like the equity market yesterday morning Chamath Palapatea was on CNBC he shared some interesting observations that as he's meeting these hedge funds in New York he's noticing that a lot of these hedge funds are using extreme amounts of leverage and it was quite shocking to him how many hedge funds are using what type of leverage and these hedge funds are typically using these leverage to buy stocks. Warren Buffett in his interview was saying the price for businesses to buy them outright is kind of high right now because people are using leverage to buy businesses outright as well. So we kind of have two things going on here. The first thing is you have low interest rates which make it difficult to make money let's say just off of bonds or just off of treasuries and so people are more interested in investing in equities to get a higher return on the capital. But the second thing that's happening is the low cost of money is allowing people to borrow borrow money in increased amounts. And as they borrow money and more investors borrow money and leverage that money, it kind of drives up the prices of businesses and also stocks. Chamath makes this interesting point and he says when the coronavirus continues to spread and the market reacts, at a certain point, these levered hedge funds will need to cover and they'll be forced out of their positions. And that can take the market down some more. Here's a CNBC clip from Chamath Palpatea and you can take a look at it for yourself. I've never wrong, I mean, this is the thing, by the way, can I just say something? I, I've been meeting a lot of great, um, folks the last three days here. Every time I come to New York, I meet some of the best hedge funds. And one of the things that really struck out um, to me this time around is how levered everybody is. I mean, folks are running five, six, seven, eight, nine turns. If they're actually running something that's more liquid, like a you know typical macro strategy, they're running 12, 13, 14, 15 times levered. That sounds like I a problem. I have never run an iota of leverage. And I've always felt like I've been on the wrong side when I see people 
printing these enormous gains. And I've thought to myself, why am I being so conservative? But in moments like this, I feel really, really calm. You know, th th this is a much bigger problem because I think just the hedge fund industry has a completely, you know, misaligned upside down business model. So they try to have very, very small exposures, but then they lever the whole thing up to make the whole thing work. They're not necessarily hedged to begin with. There's a ton of correlation. And when things like this happen and everything re-rates and you're you know, running five, six, seven, eight times, then the selling gets exacerbated. So the thing that we haven't seen is what if that happens? Because I think it's fair to say that you know, you'll go risk off and people will take money out of the market. That'll represent you know, the first maybe 800 points in the Dow or the first 1,000 points in the Dow. But then if this thing moves another two or 3,000 points, it's just forced sellers. All right, I'm not sure what the ramifications of all of this is. And in fact, I'm just sharing my thought processes as I think through it. However, in this recent run with Tesla, when we saw the stock go up 100, 200, 300, 400 points just in a matter of a few months, a lot of people were cheering this on and noting that, oh, certain hedge funds were getting in into Tesla and establishing a position. One of those hedge funds was Renaissance Technologies. And I encourage you to do research on this hedge fund. They're a legendary hedge fund which has gotten outsized, almost incredible gains in the market over 20 or 30 years or so. They are at the forefront of algorithms and trading. They are the cream of the crop and the ultimate in short-term trading. And I don't know why, personally, like some people would cheer on right that fund to get into Tesla. I mean, a lot of Wall Street is thin-skinned. Like they're in it for the short-term profits. They're in it for the quarterly profits or some people are in it for just the daily or weekly profits. There's no fund out there that wants to underperform the S&P or the overall market on an annual basis. That's like the thing that all fund managers dread. And because of that, they're so focused on their quarterly and annual performance. And that focus on annual performance takes priority over the long-term and the long-term perspective. Anyways, enough for my rants. What I'm doing here in these videos is I'm actually sharing kind of my stream of consciousness thoughts. It's more about what I'm thinking about right now and how I'm processing different things. Situations and the news will change. And I encourage you to make your own investment decisions. If you haven't subscribed to my channel, I encourage you to do so. Go ahead and like the video, add a comment or a question in the comment section, and we'll see you in my next video. Thanks.